My message today is entitled, Wind Advisory. Let me begin in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12. Paul writes this, he says, Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that we have been given freely to us by God. The purpose of this verse is twofold. We have been given the Spirit of God to illuminate our understanding of things that He has freely given to us. This is the truth and the power in which we stand as the body of Christ. It's the Spirit of God who makes you aware of the things that you've been given from God. Without the Spirit of God, this is just a book. It's just a book of history and stuff we don't understand, it, but the Spirit illuminates and helps us to understand and daily reminds us of the things we have in God so that we know how to walk this life in the authority that Christ gave us. It's the Spirit that does that. It's the Spirit of the world who tries to tell you what you have, and He also tries to tell you what you don't have, and then what you need to do in order to get the things that you don't have. Therefore, it's crucially important that we learn to discern the voice of the Spirit of God so we're not duped into following the wrong voice. As so many people are, and many don't even realize it. This verse also acknowledges that there's a spirit of the world, a supernatural force that influences the heart of mankind. Yet this spirit of the world is in direct opposition to the spirit of God. And while the spirit of the world has its roots in the works of Satan, it is fueled by the ignorance of man. In other words, people's refusal to believe and accept that the spiritual realm plays a major part in all that happens. It just serves to give the spirit of the world more power. Because if an enemy gets into your territory, the longer he can get around unnoticed, the longer he can get around undercover and work covertly, the more disruption he can bring. Do you see any correlation to what's going on in the world today? It doesn't take long to see that the direction of the world has changed today in culture, in politics, in people's attitudes. I mean, just look at the workforce. There's never been a time when there's been more jobs, and yet more and more people are quitting their jobs and saying, I don't need to work anymore. You think that's just people are lazy, or do you think that there might be something at play in the spiritual realm because it's happening all over the place, not just in one city or one locality? There's, a, there's something in the spiritual realm that's causing something to happen. And people are just blaming other people. People's attitudes have been disrupted and changed. The evolution of religious beliefs and religious intolerance I know it's politically incorrect to talk about this, but the whole gender identity has morphed into people that believe in that they're animals now. People believe in that they're furries and that they're cats and they wear tails and coats. And I mean, it's, 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 it's so bizarre. And there's a spiritual force at work that's doing this. It's not just different people's ideas. There's spiritual forces that's causing disruption. It's more than just people not following Jesus. 
By the world's ignorance, they are choosing to follow the spirit of the world, and the spirit of the world will always take you further away from God. Think about this. A small boat on a body of water is subject to the mighty winds and the currents underneath that pull and move in different directions. Both the winds and the currents change at various times and push and pull objects around at their will. This is what the world is like, according to the Bible, with the undercurrents of the spiritual realm. There are forces at work that pull you away from God, and many people don't even realize it because they say the Spirit does not exist. In fact, there are many who are professing believers who are partly or completely unaware of these undercurrents. Unless we choose to follow Christ without compromise and give free reign to the Holy Spirit working in our lives, we too become tossed about by these currents that are there, whether we see them or not. Paul talked about this in his letter to the Ephesians. Ephesians 4, verse 14, he said, We should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, and in the cunning craft, craftiness of deceitful plotting. Understand what's going on in the political realm and all over the country. It's not just men and women doing that. There's a spiritual realm that's causing that to happen. First, let us remember, even in this letter here, Paul's not talking to unbelievers. Paul wrote this letter to the believers at the Ephesian church. That's why we're talking to believers to be aware of what's going on. Children are, by nature, ignorant of many of the realities in life. For the most part, they haven't been tested by life's trials as much as adults have. Therefore, Paul warns believers not to be like children and remain ignorant of the truth. Earthly doctrine, the trickery and deceit of man, his persuasive words and plotting all serve to toss around unsuspecting people if we are not intentionally clinging on to Jesus and studying His Word and praying regularly and depending on His strength and wisdom, then we are driven to and fro by the winds of this world. It's significant that Paul describes this influence as a wind that can't be seen but is definitely felt as it drives anything that's not firmly rooted in Christ. Think about this. If you had never been outside before and you, you had to spend your entire life inside, you've never been outside before, and you'd simply glanced out the window and you saw the trees waving and bending, how would you explain that if you didn't know that wind existed? It's very possible that you would think that the trees are alive, much like the animals, that they are moving and dancing and saying hi to you or whatever you think they're doing, if you didn't know that wind existed. If you had no knowledge of wind, you'd come up with the most logical explanations you could think of to explain everything that was being affected by this wind that you don't acknowledge. The truth of the matter is that many people don't believe in the spiritual realm because they can't see it. They think that spiritual stuff only happened at the time of Jesus. They think it's all done now. Even though they see the effects of this realm on all things around them. As a result of either their ignorance or their refusal to believe, they and we 
at times come up with a great many of causes for the effects that we see from the spiritual realm. Even with things that happen on the world scene, it's not just one bad leader or one bad movement or one bad belief system. People and even professing Christians do not take into account that these are spiritual battles that have their source in the spiritual realm. Without this acknowledgement, people come up with human responses to address these battles, such as political means and legislative actions. Yet the influence of the spiritual realm is all around all of us. Even in discussions and in situations and conflicts that we all go through, we must acknowledge the source of so much confusion and divisiveness in the world or else we will be fighting the wrong enemy. We'll be fighting each other. Who do you think wants that? The devil wants that. So then he can slip around covertly and get us fighting with one another and it keeps us further away from what God wants us to do in the world. Instead of praying and interceding and calling upon the supreme judge and king of the universe, People too often respond in their own strength, in their own logic, and in their own effort to fight these battles. And in many cases, people are playing right into the devil's hand by leading with anger and unforgiveness, unfounded judgment of others, selfishness and personal opinion, instead of leading with godly truth and love and forgiveness and grace and sacrifice. We are all susceptible, every one of us is susceptible to these temptations if we refuse to acknowledge the spiritual realm at play that is always seeking to bring division and destruction and separate us from God. A great biblical example of this is found in the book of Job. I want to talk a little bit about this. Job 1 verse 8. You know the, if you know the story of Job. It says, Then the Lord said to Satan, so God and Satan are having this conversation. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him on the earth. He is blameless, an upright man. That's God speaking of a, a man. He is blameless, an upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. So we see here this classic battle which begins to take place not on earth. It's happening in the spiritual realm between God and Satan. Man played no part in the impetus for this battle. It clearly began with God and Satan. Job 1, verse 9 and 10. So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household? and around all that he has on every side. You've blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. Of course he's going to love you. Of course he's going to do that. Now Job had done nothing wrong. He didn't bring this chaos that was about to come into his life. It all began in the spiritual realm. Now Satan, the accuser of the brethren, starts to speak. He begins to mock God. And say that Job has no fear of God because his life is nothing but blessings on all sides. Satan continues in the spiritual realm. Job 1.11 But now, speaking to God, he said, Stretch out your hand 
and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. Just watch. This spiritual battle gets ratcheted up now with Satan asking God to pull back his cover or his spiritual protection from Job to allow the winds of evil to attack him to see if Job will remain faithful to God even in his misery. Job 1, verse 12. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, go ahead, all that he has is in your power, only do not lay a hand on his person. Take away all these things that you see as blessings, all the things around him, but don't lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. God chooses in this instance, I'm not saying he does this in all situations, but in this instance, God chooses to give permission to the enemy to test Job. Thus, this mighty battle begins in the spiritual realm, but now moves into the physical, earthly realm, where human life will be affected by these supernatural forces. As Satan begins, we see in separate events how two different groups of foreign invaders, invaders the Sabaeans and the Chaldeans, attack Job's properties, raid him and his family of all his belongings. And then a fire rages on another property, and a great wind destroyed the rest. And although these events happened in the physical earthly realm, Job did not respond with human means. He was not quick to create laws or build new boundaries to keep invaders out. It's not that this wasn't important. It's just that Job knew that this was much bigger than a human cause. Job didn't get angry with the manufacturers of his dwellings for not building strong enough houses. And he didn't make new laws to make sure there was always ample water available in case there was a fire. Job spent time with the Lord on a daily basis. That's why God chose him. Job knew that these problems were no coincidence. His first filter with anything that happened, good or bad, was to turn to the Lord and seek him alone. Thus we see and we hear Job's immediate response. Job 1.20. It says, Then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and fell to the ground and worshipped. He didn't complain. He didn't curse God to his face. He worshipped God for what he did not understand. These were all actions of humility and crying out to God, acknowledging that He alone was to be sought. Verse 21, Job said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. See, Job clearly feared the Lord, stating that it was the Lord who had given him all the blessings that he had. These blessings were not accrued by Job's strength or his talent or his logic or his wisdom. They were clearly given to him by God in the first place. That's why he didn't have such a tight hold that he couldn't let it go or blame someone when they got taken away. Therefore, this was not an attack on Job's pride, for there was none to be effective. Again, that's why God, God chose him. Job also acknowledged that it was the Lord who allowed all these blessings to be taken away. Therefore, Job didn't rage against the foreign invaders and hold unforgiveness in his heart. Job saw a much larger picture. The Lord gave, 
and the Lord had taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, regardless. Job 1.22 In all this, Job did not sin, nor charge God with wrong. This statement is so powerful and significant. If Job had responded in the flesh first and ordered an attack against the foreign invaders, he would have been justified in human means to do so. Everybody would have expected him to do that. But he would not have been justified in God's means, on God's terms, because this was not a human battle. This was a spiritual battle. Job could not possibly hold anger or unforgiveness either toward God or his fellow man. The only way one could purely worship the Lord in spirit and in truth is by coming to him with no unforgiveness in his heart or mind or soul. So all this stuff happens to Job, and he tears his robe, and he shaves his head, and he drops down a worse of God. If he had been angry against his fellow man, or anger against God, he would not have been able to come and worship God. When we have anger against others, or unforgiveness, or unresolved feelings, it gets in the way of our, our worshiping God. That's why it's so important to work through issues. And all of us, that's life. All of us have conflict all the way through life. But we need to go to God so that, and clear the stuff that's in the way so that we can give him our worship. That's our greatest gift to God, is to say, I trust you, God. I love you. I worship you. When you hold unforgiveness against another, when you remain in anger against someone else and refuse to pray for that person and seek to resolve the matter, if possible, then it is impossible to purely worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, as God commands us to do. Like Job, we all must seek to worship the Lord in spirit and truth by praying for others, by choosing to forgive others, and seeking to keep anger and judgment and offense not hold up on our hearts, but asking God to deal with us. When we are really hurting, as all of us have been here before, when we're really hurting, this can seem impossible. But the reason why God handed over Job in the first place was because he was a blameless and upright man who routinely, daily, sought the Lord with sacrificial offerings. In comparison, there are times when we are under spiritual attack. Not just against someone else, but a spiritual undercurrent that's causing the conflict. When we're under spiritual attack, that we need to offer a sacrifice of our feelings. We need to offer, offer a sacrifice of our need of being right. We need to offer a sacrifice of our comfort or anything else that might get in the way of God's will in this situation. And although Job understood that this was a spiritual battle beyond his understanding, his friends had a different purpose. If you read in the book of Job, you will see how his friends gathered quietly at first, but then began to respond in the flesh. They hadn't been seeking the Lord daily. They wanted to judge what they saw in the physical realm. They totally discounted the spiritual realm. They wanted to blame Job. You must have been a sinner. You must have done this. You see, if we're not aware of the spiritual realm, we begin to fight person to person. His friends took turns coming up with human responses of what Job should do, blaming Job for bringing on this tribulation. This is the natural human response to tribulation. 
It must be somebody's fault. We must focus on people instead of focusing on God. One of the greatest ways that we can enter into spiritual warfare is by praying and interceding for those who have hurt us. It's not easy. This is, in fact, what Job did after hearing from God. If you've been through a time and you had to pray for the very person that hurt you, may it have been a parent. I had to go through a long, through a long journey to work through forgiveness of my father, who was very difficult. But I had to pray him. I had to choose to love him. It was a choice because I didn't feel like doing because of some things that have said and happened. But we have to choose to do it. That's why it's called spiritual warfare. It's not easy. When someone hurts us or offends us or treats us wrong, we have to choose to pray for that person. Spiritual warfare. Job heard people were blaming him and accusing him. He started praying for his friends. And do you know what happened? Do you know the story? When Job prayed for his friends? It says, Job 42, verse 10, And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. In other words, God caused all the stuff to be taken away from Job. And Job continued to praise God and worship him. And God didn't say, see, he's worshiping me. I'm going to give him back his stuff. Uh Uh-uh. It went on and on and on. God allowed him to be accused and blamed. And he still didn't get his stuff back. And then Job prayed for the people who were being unfair to him. And then God said, I'm going to bless you even more than what you had to begin with. I'm going to double your portion. Because he prayed for those things because he sought, he realized it was a spiritual attack. And he prayed for the very people who were accusing him unfairly. That's the power of God that allows something like that to happen. Many of the battles that we face are spiritual. Therefore, we must go to God to discern how to respond. When we don't go to God first in all that we do, we ignore the spiritual implications and the undercurrents that affect all that happens in life. And I'm going to tell you what, the devil loves it when we ignore him and when we attack our fellow brothers and sisters. If you look at the world today, you can see the craftsmanship of Satan in, world, in the world's conflicts. I mean, like, I still can't believe it. We have a, a, a good friend I was just communicating with her this morning that lives in Ukraine. Several years ago, she was an exchange student that lived in our house for a year, and we still stay in communication with her. She's in Ukraine. She even found the world, world's news. Russia's all over the border of Ukraine about ready to attack, and Russia, Russia keeps denying and lying and saying, oh, no, we're not there. We're not on the border. We're not ready to attack. We're just conducting things. We're not doing that. And they're lying. And there's it's satellite pictures to prove it, and they're lying. And there's so much lying that's been going around the world that's just commonplace now. It's an attack of the enemy that's bringing lying and deceit and division to cause us to fight against one another. By the way, I told her I'd ask you if you could pray for her. Her name is Olya. And I, we asked, and, and her father, I believe, has cancer right now. He's, he's dying from cancer. And, and, and I just told that we'd pray for her family. She's a very close personal friend of ours and that whole country that, that's in need of prayer. The devil wants us to fight against one another. There are undercurrents in the world. We need to at least be aware of that, but we also need to be aware of the Holy Spirit who is power, more powerful than anything else the enemy throws at us. 
But if we refuse to acknowledge what's going on, then we give the enemy more power. Why would you ever do that? It'd be like in a battle with someone, and before you begin, say, hold on, I want to bring all my ammunition to your side. I want to give you all my weapons. I want to tell you where our secret hideout place is. What, you would never do that, but when, when, when we don't acknowledge what the spiritual forces are doing to wreak havoc in our lives, we're giving him power. When we bring what is in the dark out in the light, it loses its power. I'm not telling you to be afraid of the enemy because our God is greater, but we need to be aware that there are spiritual forces at work in what's going on in the world and even how we relate as people. When people are quick to blame and accuse others for everything, often making up lies and false accusations to back up the justifications, we know there's a spiritual force at work there. When we don't go to God first and regularly with all of our needs and all of our questions, we run the risk of becoming pawns in the enemy's hands. And it's not our fault unless we stay ignorant of that fact. We have all blown it before. We have all overreacted in our flesh. We all have. God is just saying, I want you to be aware so that you can begin to move where I want you to move to accomplish my will in this earth. Just because people choose to be ignorant of the spiritual forces at work today, it doesn't mean they don't exist. On the contrary, they are as real as the winds of the air and the currents of the sea. They have incredible power whether they are acknowledged or not. Today, people are driven by the currents of the times, otherwise regarded as the spirits of the world. James also touched on this premise in a different way when he addresses those who pray with no power. Or they pray with no faith, almost like they're doing it as a, a thing that they should do, but they don't really believe what they're praying. James 1.6 says, But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. Prayer is not authentic prayer if it is not based on proper faith. If there be any doubt during prayer, then it's safe to say that we're not fully focused on God and His faithfulness. Or you're praying for something that's not in God's will. Doubt focuses our attention on the enemy, who is the source of this errant wind, or the spirit of this world. When you pray without faith and without the knowledge of the will of God, you enter into dangerous territory. Faithless prayer leads to more than just unanswered prayers. It allows the spiritual realm to wreak havoc on your mind and your beliefs and your perception. The spirit of the world begins to dictate your direction. It works to prevent you from asking God in the future because of your perception that God doesn't answer your prayers, so why should I even go to him now? If you ask the best for something that was not in God's will, but more for something that you wanted instead of needed, and it didn't happen, or it didn't happen the way you think, you might think, why should I even go to God now? And so we, we play into the enemy's hands. It breeds even more doubt as it takes the fight out of you to resist the winds of the world. It's imperative that we understand the reality of the spiritual forces that are at work in the world. Both Paul and James draw our attention to this wind advisory. This wind that's happening that we don't see, but we see the effects of it. We need to take it seriously. The truth is that when we come together as a body 
seeking God and trusting Him first and foremost. The Holy Spirit moves with great power in our lives and in our services. When we come together and people are healed spiritually and emotionally and people are given great wisdom and things that are all tied up begin to become unraveled, not because of us, but because of yielding to God and the Spirit. Acts 2, verse 1 and 2, you may recall this event. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, and they were all one accord in one place, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Like a mighty rushing wind, the Holy Spirit moved with great power in the lives of these believers. I'm going to tell you the Holy Spirit still moves with power today where He is acknowledged. When we acknowledge His presence, when we seek God first, and when we are obedient to move in the direction that He is leading. So the question remains. If we acknowledge the forces in the spiritual realm, how are we able to tell if those winds are good or if they're bad? Well, we come back to the first verse where we began today. 1 Corinthians 2.12 Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know, that we might know the things that have been given freely to us by God. If you spend time with God and in His Word and pray and discern His voice, then you're going to know the difference. The Spirit who is from God reveals this to us if we seek Him in all that we do. Knowledge of these forces at work is available in the form of spiritual discernment. That's one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, to give us discernment. To those who first acknowledge that human discernment is of no value compared to the strength of spiritual discernment. When Nancy and I first moved up here to Roscommon a couple years ago, it's hard to believe we've only been here two and a half years. Feel like we've been here a long time. We love it up here. We love all of you. When we first moved up here, we got our first up north purchase. Do you know what it was? What was it? <laughs> That's, I would need that anywhere, but you're right. We bought it even before we moved up here. That's right. In fact, if you know the story, before I was even off the job, we went and bought a bed. We said, I want you to deliver it to Roscommon. Because God told us that. But the first thing we bought, up, up northern gift, is we bought a pair of kayaks. I know a lot of you have been on the river in a kayak or canoe, but we love uh, spending time on kayaks. And I love just spending time. I recently went with another pastor in the area, um, Erickson Aldridge, pastor at Roscon Baptist. He and I, before it turned into fall, I took him out kayaking just one night. It's a great time spending time on the river kayaking. While there are times that you can paddle to propel yourself down the river, there are also times that you can just float and let the current lead you. It really just depends on where you want to go and how you want to get there. Sometimes there's a strong headwind and it forces you to change your course of direction because it's coming against you. Sometimes the currents will lead you into still waters or into the middle channel of the river. Other times the currents will lead you directly into a fallen tree branch. Has that ever happened to you? <laughs> sometimes you stay afloat, sometimes you don't. Sometimes the current may lead you into a large rock or into a shallow place where it bottoms out and you've got to get up and walk it through. Right? We've all been there. 
it's not always by your direction, it's by the currents that are leading you, and it dictates how you're going to move based on the currents that you can't see, but they're leading you. As I ponder this, God revealed to me how this is quite similar to navigating life with its spiritual forces at work. If you simply jump in a river, you'll be caught in a current. It may move you slowly at first, and you might not even realize it. But something is pulling you in a definite direction. Whether that current leads you to still waters or into a hazard depends on your knowledge and your familiarity with the river and your discernment of your surroundings. If you've paddled canoe or kayak along that same river and you know what's around that corner, you know how to take a wide corner because you don't know what's going to happen. You know what I'm talking about? You need to have knowledge of that river and of your surroundings. If you get pulled asleep by winds and currents of the world, you may find yourself in grave danger before you realize it. I was just this last Wednesday. I don't know if anyone's here who was here on Wednesday. Yeah, Debbie's here. And Susan. I was talking about several years ago, I took a survival trip with a buddy of mine, and we only take out a canteen and a knife and, uh, uh, and flint. And we survived for several days in the wild. And we were camping along the Osaba River. And, and we were laying there, and there was a family come by canoeing. And they go out warning Folks, something was going on, and they paddled right into a big tree that was biased. It had a big beehive on the end of the branch. And they panicked and screamed, and, they, and, it, and it just was this chaos just attacked them even more. They just weren't aware of their surroundings. And they kind of did not give enough credit to the current of the river that pulled them. And sometimes we go throughout life looking at things. We don't give credit to the pull of the supernatural forces, and we find ourselves in very difficult situations. Some currents lead to channels of water which turn into rapids and even waterfalls where no one survives the drop. Sometimes you know where you want to go, but a strong headwind or resistance in front of you tests your resolve to keep you from moving forward. But the beauty of kayaking is knowing that if you know the flow of the river, if you understand that the river indeed has a flow, you can adjust, really, by making a simple dip of your paddle in the water to avoid hazards. You don't always need to make the big paddles. Just a little dip to change the direction like a little rudder. And remain in the current that leads to waters full of life and safe to everyone. An experienced kayaker lets the main flow of the river do the work while he makes simple adjustments to turn his kayak in the proper direction. This is our life. Our job is to keep facing the Lord and turning to Him while allowing the flow of the Spirit to do His work in our life. It's there whether you acknowledge it or not. But if it's there, it's more of the simple adjustments that we need to make. Instead of the panic paddling frantically because we didn't acknowledge something that was already happening. Yet it requires our attention to our surroundings and knowing when to adjust and when necessary, to avoid being pulled by a dominant cross current. If we remain in the flow of the Spirit, we trust the move of God in our lives, no matter how slow or how fast He takes us. Inexperienced kayakers will often make rash decisions when the main current becomes too fast for their comfort. In their fear, they make sudden moves or irrational adjustments which cause them to flip over or run aground. 
I've been there before. I bet a few of you have also. But also in our comparison to life, it does the same thing. An experienced kayaker trusts the flow to deliver him further down the river to safety. The same is true for our lives. There are times when God begins to move in our lives and we lose control of the pace. That's why many people resist the Holy Spirit, because you've got to give up control. Sometimes the Spirit moves a lot slower than we're used to, and sometimes God moves you a lot quicker than you're used to. If you know God and if you trust God, you allow God to flow through your life as you be obedient to him. If we fear being out of control, we make moves to disrupt the flow of the Spirit. It is only by knowing him and trusting the Spirit of God that we are able to move in times of great faith as God directs us. Last verse. You guys all know this verse. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Could you say it with me, please? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. It's a beautiful verse. But we need to believe it, and we need to live it. There are many currents in life, whether we acknowledge them or not. But if we choose to trust the flow of the Holy Spirit, as we pursue him first and continually through prayer in the Spirit, meditation in the Word, devoted and continually worshiping the Lord, taking care of getting rid of that junk that's in our lives so that we can truly worship Him in truth and in spirit. We will see that God directs us in the way of victory wherever the river flows. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the power of Your Word. We thank You for the gift that Jesus gave us on the cross dying for our sins and giving us a new life. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit that was given to those who believe and put their trust in you. We allow you, Holy Spirit, to move in our lives. If there's things that are getting in the way, help us, Lord God, by bringing those things to the surface even now so that we can let go of those things so that we can truly worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord God, we understand that we are all different. But Lord God, by your grace and your knowledge and your infinite wisdom, you bring us together. And because we are different, that's why we work in power as your body of Christ all around the world. Help us to love one another. Help us to lead with grace. Help us not to be quick to judge others. And help us always to turn to you to get discernment if there is a spiritual battle at place. We honor you. We love you. We thank you for the flow of the Spirit in our lives. And we know that as your word says, greater is he that is in me than he that's in this world. We choose not to be afraid of the spiritual forces that work in the world because we know that you are greater. Continue to draw us close to you that we may know your will for our lives and that you get all the glory. In your precious name we pray. Amen.